This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. How we doing, Trev? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeffrey Harlan, a.k.a. Mr. Atos. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've just been uh, incredibly busy over the last uh, week or so. Um, it's uh, It's been pretty crazy, and it's uh, only going to get more um, crazier uh, in the uh, the next few months. Yeah, I can actually I can understand that because school started on Monday, like all the public schools here in Texas started on Monday and the university started on Monday. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment for us. And I know your school started this week or last week. Last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I went back to work on the same day. Right. So, yeah, it's a little little hectic. So yeah, boomers, we're. Uh, I just wanted to say very sorry about the uh, little the lag that we've got going here. The the subspace signals, you know, maybe a little slower than usual. But man, we just had messy schedules this summer. I really, really underestimated our first summer as hosts, and I couldn't believe how hard it was for us to coordinate our schedules. Yeah, I was all over the place. I mean, I went off to Hawaii for a week for my anniversary. And then right after that, I went to Yosemite for like four days. Uh, uh, my uh, wife's uncle has a, uh, a house up there and we stayed up there. And I mean, it's finding time in between all of that and everything else going on. It was it was tough. Yeah, we had um, so Hawaii, also known as Riza on Earth, right? I actually went to Gulf Shores for a week before that. Basically our vacation schedules did not overlap. They were they were lined up in between all the way. Uh, it all started off, really the summer started off with me, uh, had various conferences that I had to go speak at. So that messed us up, having overnight conferences and messing up our schedule there. And then, uh, you know, STLV came through and then actually I had uh, Tommy Kraft lined out to be our guest in the in the middle of the summer and our schedule just went on and on and on so far that he finally had to just go stop and go direct a movie you know his schedule didn't line up for that anymore so and he just finished directing that movie yeah man i'm so excited to see that oh i can't that. wait till it's done but anyway again boomers so sorry hopefully now we can get back to uh 
school started back up, going back to work and get work five out a little more uh, often instead of having these huge gaps in between. Of course, those of you that are listening to the podcast, just later you're catching it in the library. You won't even notice. It'll just be the next show that pops up. You'll be like, oh, not that big of a deal. It just came right up after the last one. So it's not that big of a deal. Speaking of STLV, Enterprise was mentioned in the One Trek Mind, uh, Star Trek's official blog is One Trek Mind. They actually conducted a live debate and panel of fans at STLV, Jeff. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it. I don't know uh, the details. Um, like it was, like we were saying, I was just like crazy busy over the summer, and uh, um, I only news that I was catching about uh, uh, Las Vegas convention was what I was seeing from uh, the uh, the Twitter and uh, Facebook feeds from uh, Norman Lau and uh, Will Win. Yeah, that's basically. I was living living vicariously through all of the Babel Conference uh, participants that were there, posting pictures and everything. That was really awesome. But actually, uh, One Track Mind uh, conducts a live debate and panel apparently every year. And this year, they put together a top ten list of the worst Star Trek episodes and a top ten list of the best Star Trek episodes. So, Enterprise actually made a spot on both. And so, uh, which, which do you want, Jeff? You want the good news first or the bad news? Um, let's get the quote unquote worst episodes out first. Uh, get those done with, but uh, I'll, I'll just start this by saying that even the worst episodes of Star Trek are still preferable to a lot of other things on TV. Yes. You took that right. I mean, I was going to say that, Oh man, that was, that was my line. I already had that all cracked up, ready to go. Yep. Even bad Star Trek is better than some things on TV. So yeah, let's go worst episodes. So for Enterprise, they actually came in at number 10. We had Precious Cargo. So what do you what do you think, Jeff? Are you, do you do you see that happening? Uh I I think I can see where they're coming from on that one. I mean, it's not a terrible episode, but it's not the greatest episode either. You know, it's it it was a you know kind of a, a halfway decent episode in my opinion. Yeah, I'm a, I'm actually kind of surprised that it caught attention, you know, like enough attention to actually make it onto the list of the top ten of all of Star Trek. You know, I kind of thought that would be one people might miss. It's not not talked about very often. It is kind of you know, it's it's something. You know, we actually spoke about it on a previous episode of Warp Five. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not awesome, but. I don't know if it's the worst, you know, top 10 out of all of Star Trek. Wow. So that's that's the top 10 out of 720 some episodes. Yeah, exactly. So how you count it, whether or not you count two parters as a single episode. So out of (laughs) 700 plus episodes of Star Trek, number one worst episode, according to the fans at STLV was these are the voyages. And I'm looking at Jeff's face here, listeners. You can't see his face, but he's got a little. He's got a. He's. he's it, got a it's definitely face on. in my top two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's kind of a tie between that and Endgame from Voyager for me. <laughs> well, that Endgame didn't make it, so Zing <laughs> Zing Voyager there. Voyager was on there. The highest one for Voyager or lowest, whichever way you want to look at it, was Threshold. Well, I expected Threshold would be on there somewhere. Right, right. But, uh, so. I mean, even even the, the, the writers uh, kind of try to ignore that one. 
Right. So you've got these are the Voyagers showed up worse than Code of Honor from TNG, Threshold <laughs> from Voyager, Turnabout Intruder on original series. That was the fourth worst. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess. I mean, that's kind of just taking it a little too, too hard, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I can understand that one because it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth because it didn't fit with anything else that he'd done in season four of enterprise. And it didn't fit with the episode of the next generation that they were trying to tie it in with. And it just made them both the worst for it. But, uh, I, I can see that one getting the the number one slot. I was honestly, I was expecting that uh, end game would be in there too, because I just was really dissatisfied when that one aired. Right. Well, you know, the enterprise creators that, you know, they actually wanted to do that episode and they thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a love letter, but it, well, they- I can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to tie it in with the later shows and, you know, trying to make it relevant to everything else that had, you know, come before slash later by having them say, you know, a historical holodeck recreation of these events, but the way that they went about doing it just wasn't the best. Right. I mean, I, I think part of it was the actors. You, you could tell it had been 10 years since the last episode of the next generation. And they were trying to make it look like they were in that final season and they just didn't look like they were in that final season. I mean, if they had done it like right before Nemesis, while you know Riker is trying to de- decide whether or not he's going to accept command of the Titan, I think that would have worked better. Right. That actually, that I heard that uh, theory, and I agree with that. That would have been a lot better as far as way, the way they looked. Another reason the Enterprise, the cast they were not giving their a game because they were not no. happy about how the situation well, they was definitely weren't happy because i mean basically the the final episode of their show they were guest actors in their own show, their own series that's and that they, is true all right we didn't even get an exterior shot of the uh nx01 until the very end of the episode that is true yeah so yeah, I I can understand that one being at the top. All right, well let's let's change bottom. gears. Let's get away from the worst because we got let's get that that nasty business out of the way. The ten mm-hmm. best Star Trek episodes according to the fans, the ten best, and I there are a lot of uh, Enterprise fans and boomers that are I don't know they're they're going to agree, and then there's a lot that are just going to say no 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 that's not that's not how it should be. So the best there's one on the list. So. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? What's, what's your guess at what's going to be mm. the best according to the fans at STLV? That's a hard call. I mean, there's almost a hundred episodes of, uh, enterprise. And let's, let's put it this one. way. What if they are not necessarily fans of enterprise? They're fans of star Trek. They're at Las Vegas and they are, they're just naming what they think is the best episode of enterprise. Does that give it away? What episode of enterprise more linked to, something else in a star Trek. Yeah. I'm thinking probably, uh, the, uh, um, mirror universe episodes. That's exactly right. Number nine on the list of the 10 best episodes of star Trek was in a mirror darkly. So some fans of enterprise are going to say, you know, I don't know. Cause that really wasn't enterprise. It was them playing 
in an enterprise-like universe, you know, but yeah, it really was the mirror universe of the enterprise. So it's kind of a it's kind of a you know tying itself to Deep Space Nine with their mirror universes and to the original series. Of course, that was all the way in there. But yeah, I mean, Inner Mirror Darkly came in for uh, well, that one. Kind of tied together all of the series because you got Zephyr and Cochran and footage from First Contact, so that's Next Generation. You got DS Nine with all the stuff that they're setting up for the DS Nine Mirror Universe stories. You got the original series, both with the mirror universe because it originated there and you've also got the defiant and you got the tholians and all this other stuff going on i mean pretty much the only series that really didn't get touched on was voyager that is true actually i mean that that episode that uh you know that story kind of had it all yep so enterprise did make the list for the best it made it for the worst so everybody gets to play equally i guess here in the star trek universe but yep in a mirror darkly comes in at number nine so boomers what it's a that's a two-parter too so i guess they counted the two parters as a single episode yeah they didn't actually mention whether it was part one or part two it just says inner mirror darkly so we'll just call it i guess the two-parter but yeah boomers what do you think about that what do you think about uh these over the voyages being counted as the worst episode of star trek ever and inner mirror darkly being the ninth best star trek episode ever so let us know what you think about that in the comments of the show posts and also you can contact us at trek.fm slash contact look at the sidebar on the show page or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and leave us a voicemail and it just so happens just segueing into that changing gears here to chef's buffet that he's like got laying out here for you jeff we actually had a listener send us a warp five email and I was so surprised when I saw this in my inbox. It said actually addressed a warp five. I thought that's so cool. I had not received an email before. So we actually had a listener, Johnny Ross from West Virginia. He writes, Hey guys, I just finished listening to episode 89. I used to try to make enterprise fit into the prime timeline like you guys are, but not anymore. So actually episode 89 was the, uh, reconciling in, uh, continuity issues episode that we had with Tommy. He says it takes too much mental gymnastics to explain away all the continuity issues. In my head canon, the temporal cold war is something that exists in the prime timeline amongst all the races that had time travel technology. The Borg were the first race to violate the accords during the first contact. When they went back, they created the new timeline. In this timeline, all the factions were interfering with the past. That is why the technology is more advanced than it should be, especially weapon technology and cloaking tech. Also in my head canon, the JJ timeline is this timeline. Ooh, okay. That is why things are different in the 23rd century prior to the arrival of Nero's ship. This makes more sense to me. I hope I explained everything well enough for you to understand what I'm saying. Time travel gives me a headache, and sometimes I don't explain things very well. Thanks for your time. Love the show. Johnny. So thank you, Johnny Ross from West Virginia, for writing into the show. That is an interesting theory. Jeff, Jeff, what do you think about that? Well, I can see that. Uh, um, I, I'm still of the opinion. I think that it uh, can work, and you can make it fit. Um, sometimes it takes a little more explaining than, uh, others, but, uh, like the, the divergence with the Kelvin timeline with Nero, um, I see that as having kind of ripples in both directions on the timeline. 
because all the time travel that would have originated later in the timeline after um, Nero's ship showed up and destroyed the Kelvin, those time travelers never went back in time. And so the effects on the timeline that those travelers would have had didn't happen, which then causes changes previous to uh, to that in the timeline. So you get a lot of little things that are different, like the ships are bigger, because like the Kelvin has got like 800 people on it, and it's this massive ship compared to you know the original series ships, which are much smaller, with like two, three, or four hundred people on them. You know, also, the the view screens on the uh, the bridge being windows instead. And we saw in Beyond that the Franklin had a window view screen like all the other Kelvin timeline ships, and that wasn't the case in Enterprise. Right. So that's one of the little ripples that happened in the timeline as a result that went into the past before the uh, event with uh, uh, the Kelvin. Uh, so I think, you know, these are all just multiple timelines. It's a whole continuum of timelines. Honestly, the only time that we ever really saw the prime timeline was probably uh, actually uh, in the episode yesteryear from the animated series because uh, Spock was... Uh, no longer with us in that one because he didn't go back in time and save himself. I was about to say the cage. <laughs> Is that where it's well? Not? Even then, Spock's around and uh, he would have died except he time travel from his future self saved his life. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I we actually mentioned that about the JJ connection possibly the the Kelvin timeline. We'll say that that's a possibility, and that's like a whole other show of Warp Five down the line mm-hmm. that we might just have to break that down and you know a for and against. I might you know we might have to have a. Maybe uh, somebody takes some sides here and we can try to debate it out or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're actually creating a new timeline, just talking about there being possible timelines. <laughs> so we've already messed things up here just by, you know, just being meta here and talking about it. Um, it's like Troy in First Contact. Timelines, we don't have time to talk about time. Exactly. We, we don't, don't have the time. There's no time. So yeah, there are inconsistencies, but like we mentioned on that show there, the original series was like the biggest culprit because it wasn't even consistent with itself. And I'm a huge... The first season alone contradicted itself from the beginning to the end of it. Right. They were just still trying to get everything worked out when they first started the show. So, you know, they're retconning things as they go. Yeah. And then even all the other series have such a hard time with it, you know, like just... People die, they go back in time, something happens, they're back. Or you have duplicates that are exchanging in DS9 and Voyager. And uh, did it happen in TNG? Uh, Yeah. Probably, yeah. So Yeah, it did. Um, Time squared with like two or three different versions of Picard. Right. So really, it's, I know a lot of fans are really, they really like to try to keep it all in like a neat, nice straight line order. But my goodness, the whole s- series of Star Trek 700 something episodes, you don't actually know what timeline you're looking at when you watch an episode. <laughs> it's just a great big wibbly wobbly yeah. ball of Exactly. Stuff. It's, it, it's, I just think of it like a bag of timelines and they're all kind of wrapped in the Star Trek bow. You know, and you don't really, you know, you reach your hand in the bag. Which one do you pull out? There you go. Let's go with it. You know, because that's kind of what it looks like when you really break it down and start thinking about it. Johnny, thank you so much for writing in. And that will probably be a future episode. I'm, I'm, I already thought that would probably be an episode when we did the consistencies version of it. Uh, I got a title for you for that episode. When you get to it, just call it timey wimey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think I think Norm already got that one though on a standard <laughs> orbit. Well, we'll go like timey wimey. That was wibbly wobbly timey. Oh, oh, there we'll you go. go there you go. Wimey. All right. So yeah, actually, folks, uh, the reason that we're meeting here in the shuttle bay is that Jeff has his gear packed, and I kind of I was I was kind of suspicious about why he wanted to meet me in the shuttle bay, and now now I see him. He's actually got one foot in the shuttle pod, but I already knew this was happening. I just you know. I'd been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, uh, going on vacation. No, I'm not going to answer your email. No, I'm not going to answer your text or your phone call. I've got to be go. I got to go somewhere else. But actually, Jeff, actually, he has a new assignment. So Jeff, let our listeners know about your new assignment. Well, now that I've finished loading all of my uh, duffel bags into the into the shuttle pod, uh, you know, we don't have replicators yet. So a lot more uh, gear to pack. Um I am going back to school. Um, if you uh, haven't read the threads in the Babel conference uh, or heard my uh, last episode on uh, Standard Orbit yet, uh, I'm going back to school for uh, my uh, teaching credential. Um, I work as an uh, instructional assistant for special education at a high school out here in California. And I'm going back to become a full-time teacher, uh, not just an aide. And I'm going to be taking about a year and a half to finish that program. And it's going to be full-time in addition to working full-time. So I'm just not going to have time to do this, uh, even with an Atavacron. <laughs> yep, very good. Yeah, it is great, great that you're, you know, this new direction for you here, this new mission that you have. I, I'm so excited for you. Uh, I was a yeah. middle school teacher and a high school teacher, and now I'm actually a professor that teaches future teachers. So I'm so, so happy for your, uh, your next step that you've got going here. And I'll have some free time here and there over the next year and a half, two years. So, you know, I'll try to come back and, uh, you know, step in as a guest here and there where I can. Well, before you go, I thought maybe we might, uh, just do a, a quick debriefing for this current assignment before you take your next assignment. You had mentioned that you could occasionally, uh, maybe come back aboard the NX-01 for, uh, you know, special assignment, but you just couldn't be a permanent ongoing assignment. And that's, that's mm -hmm. cool. I like that. So uh, before you go though, I just wanted to do a debriefing here for you. What is your favorite character from enterprise and why? I kind of have a thing for the characters that never got enough screen time and were never developed enough as much as they could have been. So I actually have to go with Travis there is so much more they could have done with his character, especially if they had fleshed out a whole boomer arc during the course of the series. Cause there is a really fascinating backstory for him that they never really got into. And there's this whole group of humans who have been born, lived and died in space and almost never come back to earth. And this is like the first few generations of humans that are not, native to the planet earth and it's a whole new culture that we really never really got to see much of. Yeah, that is a, that is a great choice. Um, that that's, that's a really cool thing to actually think about that. He, you know, is he really an earther? Is he really a Terran? You know, cause he was born on a ship between, you know, on the, what was it? The, the Dralax run. And he, where is he really at from? You know, he's, he's from the ship, but what, what planet is he really from? And because he never actually lived on a planet, he was on a ship. So, yeah. Yeah, and Earth, uh, one one G Earth gravity uh, was 
a little too heavy for him because his father always kept it at 0.8 G to put a little spring in his step. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So um, next on our uh, debriefing list here is what would be Travis's favorite moments? What would what, what do you think would be your favorite moments of Travis on Enterprise? Uh, definitely the episode Horizon, um, especially some of the scenes that didn't make it into the final cut. There were some really powerful takes that they didn't use that were in the deleted scenes with Anthony Montgomery, just the way that he was portraying this man who had just lost his father and didn't even find out about it until weeks after his father had passed because of the transition and the delays in the transmissions. And it, it was just really well done how he's trying to come to grips with that loss and then going back and meeting up with his family and he's now a Starfleet officer and he's gotten used to having some command authority and he starts trying to, you know, follow through with what he does on Enterprise only to kind of have to step back and realize, oh wait, no, this isn't my ship. I need to step back. And he actually comes to, uh, you know, uh, comes to a head, you know, where he and his brother just kind of have a really intense argument between the two of them over it. And I think that was a really well done episode and it really shows how much there was to that character if they had explored him more. Yeah, that could have been a whole arc, you know, the boomer arc, or you could have had an ongoing, um, even for season five, that could have been an underlying, which we had talked about with Dennis in an earlier episode. But yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah. And that, that also tied back into the original series because in Travis's quarters, we saw the book, the Chicago mobs of the twenties. And, uh, we knew that, uh, it was the horizon that, uh, had, uh, run into the Iotians right before the horizon was lost. And, uh, that was the same book that the Iotians built their entire society on by the time Kirk ran into them. So, uh, unfortunately we discovered that, uh, you know, the, the, the horizon's future was not that great. Um, yeah. Infamous to say but, the least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometime and then, you know, within the next decade, they were going to disappear without a trace after visiting Sigma Iosha. Right. Yep. That's going to, that's an infamous uh, history that they've got going there with the uh, contaminating that culture. But yeah, then they actually yeah. disappeared. So. Yeah. And a lot of people never caught that. I mean, it's just as the camera is panning across his room, you see the book on a shelf. And unless you're really familiar with the original series, you, you know, blink and you miss it. Yep. That was, that was a great episode that, uh, boy, it kind of, kind of gets a lump in the throat that you have to swallow down mm -hmm. a little bit when he uh, goes mm -hmm. back to his ship and he finds out about his dad. Uh, when Archer visits Travis in the sweet spot, you know, that's just a, it's a touching scene, yeah. I believe. So yeah, that's, that was a really good scene. And that's the, the scene that, uh, there was another take that they didn't use in the final cut that, uh, he was a lot more expressive, um, but uh, for whatever reasons, they chose not to use it. That's right. Actually, he actually mentioned that, I think, on his his Warp 5 interview that he had with mm -hmm. Will. I think he actually mentioned that, that he really yeah. let it go. And they actually asked him to tone it back down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what uh, just overall Enterprise, just thinking of uh, the whole sh series as a whole, what what would you say like right away if you could throw in a Blu-ray disc and you could just throw in a scene? What 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 do you think would be your overall favorite Enterprise moments? I really enjoy both the uh, 
uh, the Vulcan arc in season four and the Babel arc from season four. Very good. Either one of those are usually my go-to when I, I've got, you know, a few hours where I can set aside and just watch some enterprise. I'll pop those in. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, so that, that actually led to the next one was, you know, when the chores are done and the papers are written and the grass is mowed and the barns painted and everything like that. <laughs> if you have a chance to sit down and throw a disc in of enterprise, what, you know, what, what episode are you going to throw in? Yeah. It's the, one of those two arcs. Um, those are kind of my go-to for enterprise because those really encapsulate what's going on. Those and, uh, the, uh, the Terra prime arc. Cause that, you know, the, the three of those storylines are really the kind of the core of Star Trek to me. Very good. Yeah, I agree. Those are great, great arcs. And at that time we can kind of cheat because we had the three episode arcs going in season four of enterprise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they really, they put together some great uh, episode series, some mini series there, if you will. Yeah. And that was a a great idea on their part for uh, the, for season four because their budget wasn't as large. So they had to cut the budget and they did that by stretching the stories over multiple episodes so they could reuse the same sets over and over. Um, and the same actors. So you could get three, get three episodes out of you know the budget of uh, one, basically. Right. And then it also ended up making those stories more epic. That is true. That is true. It made it, it, made it to where you couldn't just skip around you know, a little mm-hmm. bit. You had to stick with it. And it, it also saved the budget on just the actors because they had them there already mm-hmm. under contract and... Um, I can imagine they, you know, I don't, I'm not really certain of what the shooting schedule was for them, but I bet, you know, they stretched as much as they could out of those episodes. Yeah. I think they normally spend like about a week per episode in production. Yeah. I doubt they spent three weeks on those. So that's automatically safe. But with those, because, you know, you're not having to rebuild new sets from scratch, you know, they probably were able to compress that, uh, that timeline. Yep. I totally agree. So, yep. That, that's a great choice. Uh, so let's, let's flip this around a little bit. What episode or episodes would you show a Trek fan to represent what you think the series is most about? So you kind of already touched on that. Is there anything else besides the Vulcan arc? Um, yeah, the, the Vulcan arc, the, uh, the Babel arc, you know, cause how the, the beginnings of the Federation are forming and they're, you know, showing, that there is strength in numbers and, you know, bringing all their differences together to form something even greater as a whole. And that also then ties in later to the, uh, the Terra prime arc, because then you've got, you know, the hatred and bigotry from humans past is coming back. And then it's this group of people who are able to overcome that, that then, you know, say they, they win the day by, uh, um, coming together as a team. And that's, that's also something that's very Star Trek. Right. So we've got the first two episodes, which is kind of a, um, a future for us is how I describe it. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the season three, which is the Zindi war arc Mm -hmm. or the Zindi conflict arc or whichever way you want to look at it. You know, the, the interfering humans, if you want to look at it from a Zindi point of view, (laughs) and then You've got the season four, which is the prequel, the toss prequel. So is there anything, any episodes or anything that stands out in seasons one and two? Um, season one, Broken Bow is just an amazing series premiere. I mean, it, 
it was the strongest series premiere of all of the Star Trek series. There are a lot of uh, uh, just really good episodes, I think, in all of the seasons, but it's it's really hard to pin down. But definitely uh, Broken Bow. I really enjoyed uh, uh, the Andorian incident where they introduce uh, Shran and the other Andorians for the first time. And it they did just an amazing job building up that uh, that species because there was very little that was really known about them before that. Yep. I mean, really, all we knew was that uh, you know they were a, a passionate, warlike race that uh, valued family, and they had blue skin and antennae. Right. Yep. I agree. That's that was cool. You know, Shran Jeff, Jeffrey Cohn's kicking the door in. That was pretty awesome. Broken Bow is the best pilot. I'll just go ahead and say it, even though I know there's other hosts around that are the other episodes that <laughs> might disagree. I think Broken Bow is the best pilot. And mm-hmm. that's. Yeah. And season two, I, I really enjoyed uh, Carbon Creek because partly from my background in history, I know that there's a lot of things that uh, people think they know about history, but uh, it turns out there's actually more to the story than they're, you know, than they teach in school. And that kind of really tied in with Carbon Creek. It's like there's more to the story of uh, First Contact with the Vulcans than people really know. And actually, Carbon Creek almost made the top 10 best episodes I had heard. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at the uh, honorable mentions, Carbon Creek was very, very close and it got bumped out like very close to the end of the debate. And it had that great shout out to uh, I Love Lucy because without without Lucille Ball, Star Trek would not have existed. <laughs> right. Which, you know, we, we mentioned that in a, a recent episode of Warp 5, how mm-hmm. that it has to be canon because they were sitting there watching it on Star Trek. So there you go. All right. So, Jeff, just the end of your briefing as we come here. Um, so you've been podcasting here for, boy, a, a little bit, you know, at least a year, right? You were on, mm-hmm. you've been guesting on Warp 5 and you... Um, started hosting on standard orbit and work five. So it's probably been about a year, right? Um, about a year, maybe a little bit more. Okay. So what is it about star Trek that makes you want to podcast about it? That makes you want to talk about it? What is it that just stands out that star Trek stands out to you other than other franchises or maybe common book? Well, I grew up with it. I just love talking about it. I always been like that I've, I've, even before podcasting or even before the internet was around i was always loving star trek and talking about it with anybody who would listen and this is just another way for me to be able to do that and now i can actually have a conversation about it with multiple people who love the show and be able to share it with all these other hundreds thousands of people out there that download it and listen to it and they also listen uh, enjoy it and getting some great feedback from it, uh, from everyone who listens. And it's just been a lot of fun, you know, expanding the conversation that I've been having about the franchise for decades now. Uh, this is just a, an extension of that. Very good. So I know you're you're the author of Trekopedia. So how has that been going? Has that been kind of, has that kind of been put over to the side for a little bit or have you been able to update anything else? So what's, what's the update on Trekopedia? I have been doing some work on it, but uh, just like everything else, it's kind of uh, taken a little bit of a backseat. I'm going to work on it as much as I can, but uh, my first priority is uh, getting my schooling finished. Yep. And so listeners, uh, that is a great resource. Trekopedia, uh, Jeff is going down the line and he's trying to make it all fit. And he, it, it's, it's the most comprehensive Star Trek reference 
that I've seen even better than memory alpha, I think. So it's, you, you've done some great work right there. And of course it's an ongoing thing, especially starting in January, we've got with the new series coming in, we've going to probably have a new chapter in your Trekopedia. Yeah. And you know, memory alpha, it's, it's a really good resource too, but their focus is specifically on just the movies and TV shows. I mean, they don't do anything beyond that. They also have memory beta, which covers like the, the tie-in media, but I think, you know, the way that they do that could be better, which is the way that I'm doing Trekopedia. Because Memory Beta, they just say, this is what it is in this resource or, you know, this book or this comic or this game or whatever. And they don't make any attempt to reconcile it because sometimes there are, you know, uh, things that don't line up with each other. And I try to find a way to make it all fit together. And that's where Trekopedia is a little bit different. So working on Trekopedia, what would be the toughest topic or the toughest thing that you've tried that has been the most, the most difficult to try to fit in? Um, mostly I've been having the most trouble with, uh, the, uh, the FASA games from the eighties because those were produced like in 1982 through 1988, 88, 89. And up until the very end, there was nothing beyond the original series and like four movies. And so there was, they had pretty much carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. And at first, some of that was pretty much considered to be almost canon by just about everybody. There were elements of it that got worked into some of the movies. Um, Some of the things even got picked up into the first season of the next generation but then there was some inf- interference from various people in the production on The Next Generation, and they decided that, no, that's not going to be canon, and we're going to ignore it now. And, you know, it it was a big mess. And there was a lot of things that then they went out of their way to contradict from the fossil material. And trying to make it all fit together with the stuff that came later is very difficult. They used a completely different timeline for one thing. The base assumption on that, they were trying, they actually, their timeline was trying to reconcile Space Seed saying that Khan was from 1996, but had been in suspended animation for 200 years, about 200 years. But then the original series was in the 23rd century. So they were trying to find a way to make it work. And they ended up having the original series taking place in like 20, uh, was it 2217 or something like that. So at that point it was about 50 years different from the timeline that they ended up settling on with uh, the Okuda chronology and trying to make those fit is a huge challenge. But I basically, I take a, what I do is a, on a a case by case basis, I find a common reference point. Like we know what the launch date of the constitution class ships was. It was 2245 because that was in, uh, in a mirror darkly on the screen. Then we have a date given on that. And I just changed the year to 2245. And based on that, everything else kind of falls more or less into place. Nice. So, this is definitely a reference. It's worth exploring boomers to go check it out. I mean, he's getting, he's putting games in, he's putting books in, he's putting comics in, not just episodes, not just movies. It's everything. Even the role-playing games from the eighties that really don't fit. He's trying to make it fit. 
So it's definitely worth checking out. Trekopedia is the... Yeah, the uh, the other thing was the Stardates, because uh, the original series, Stardates, they don't make a lick of sense. Uh, I mean, they knew that even when they were making the shows. They just more or less random. But the next generation Stardates, they had a very you know rigid system that they were using, so you can actually figure out pretty much down to the second when an episode is taking place but from the start date. But they never established the calendar date, the Earth calendar, with the star date until the end of season one of Next Generation. They said it was 2264. And everybody assumed that star date 000.0 of each year is January 1st. And that's even what the novels are doing right now. Um, they just make that assumption. But then season seven of Voyager... There's the episode Homestead where Neelix leaves the ship and they give a star date in the episode and they also say that it is first contact day, which is April the 5th. So I was able to take both of those numbers, break down the math, and I actually figured it out. Star date 000.0 of each year is like May 22nd or 23rd. Nice. Nice. Yeah, just little little clues, little tidbits like that. You can work your way forward or work your way back. You're just waiting for them to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, I can so, I can tell yeah, you, I just watched Beyond uh, yesterday for the third time, and they make it a lot simpler for you when they do their start mm-hmm. dates. The the yeah the the Kelvin timeline start dates uh, much easier to follow. So when it comes time to put them in, it's gonna you know, you're that'll be like a vacation compared to what you've had to dig through with, especially with the original series. Yeah, I was actually, uh, um, when uh, 2009 came out, I added all that into a spreadsheet that I made of every story from the episodes, novels, comics, movies, games, everything together in a single spreadsheet file all together in chronological order. And this thing is massive. I mean, I've got it at like six point type and it's still about 20 pages long. Wow. And uh, I worked it all in, and then I added a column for new timeline star date. Because I figure out what date each episode and everything is from based on the uh, star date or in-episode context clues. Like, Charlie X takes place on Thanksgiving Day of that year. And Voyager also established it the first year of... uh, the uh, the five year mission was twenty two sixty five, so I was like, that's Thanksgiving Day twenty two sixty five. So I was able to figure that one out, and uh, so I was able to like add what the start date on the Kelvin timeline would be for that episode. So then I can line everything up and say, you know, this is taking place contemporary to this and the different timelines. I guess I, uh, as far as the start dates go, I really never paid that much attention. Like I kind of tried to when I was younger, but I kind of, I guess I was the audience that they want wished was watching because I didn't try to, you know, take it all the way to the end. Like I I'd like to, but you never know, you know, the, the episode that you're watching might not be in chronological order. It may have actually be happening, uh, weeks before the episode that you watched last week. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, well, part of my, uh, timeline is that I actually put all of the original series episodes in chronological order by start date. And it actually works pretty well. And it even explains how Khan knew and recognized Chekhov. Oh. Because Cat's Paw's start date is before the start date for Spacey. There you go. There you go. So that, that's what I'm talking about right there. That'll work. All right. So um, 
you have authored some comics in their last mm-hmm. few months. Uh, tell her, let our listeners know about, uh, about your comic series that you have and like places where, where they can find your comics. Well, I've got a, uh, comic company that I started, uh, independent comics. It's called bandwidth comics and it's like bandwidthcomics.com. I'm on Facebook at, you know, bandwidth comics. And uh, I've got four issues out so far, two of them in black and white, uh, issues three and four are still in black and white. Issues one and two I've redone in color, and they're also on Comixology, and just, you know, the protectorate is the name of the comic. And I'm still coloring number three right now. It's uh, fallen a bit behind because of everything I've got going on, but I'm still working on it. And I'm also still drawing the fifth issue, which is probably about three quarters finished uh, for the drawings. But uh, it, it's slow going, uh, but I'm still plodding away at it. Very good. Yeah. You, so you can find your uh, your comics at Comicsology, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, The Protectorate? Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, the first two issues are on Comicsology. Issues three and four are on my, uh, my website, uh, bandwidthcomics.com. Very good. And another thing that you've been doing just for fun here lately is you've been, I've noticed that you've been on Star Trek online a little bit more than you had been in previous months. So what, what is it that you've been doing there with the videos that you've been capturing? Well, the, uh, um, the game, they recently had uh, a new expansion agents of yesterday. And in this expansion, you start off as a 23rd century captain from 2270. Um, So it's like the the fifth year of the five-year mission. You're contemporary to that. And your character starts off on a mission to the planet Taurus II. If you remember from the original series, that's the one where... uh, the uh, the Galileo Seven they crashed uh, the shuttle there and they got big sticks know, thrown at them <laughs> yeah big sticks and you end up going there to rescue a science vessel that has crashed on the planet and uh, you know hijinks ensue and uh, um, you end up you know part of your landing party ends up getting big sticks through them too and you you've um, actually been capturing uh, videos like kind of yeah. like play it or uh, let's play videos of your actual missions. Yeah, I've been recording, uh, com- you know, commentary-free videos. It's just, you know, you watch me as I'm playing through each of the missions, and it's, you know, except for not having any voiceover for my part of the conversations, because it's just text on the screen, there's a lot of voiceover for the other uh, other parts, and you can just follow along with, uh, you know, what's going on, and it's it's been pretty interesting. Um, the, the writing on this uh, game has been really good over the last six years. Now I've been playing since open beta. So, and some of the episodes had gotten remastered over the last couple of years. And they, um, some of them like, uh, the doomsday machine one was, uh, completely redone and it's really good as part of the Klingon war arc in, uh, 2409. And I've just been going through as I've been playing with this new captain that I created and recording videos because my new laptop can actually do that. The old one uh, just didn't have good enough uh, graphics capability to do that while playing the game. But uh, I've been recording the videos while I'm playing now and posting those up. Um, I've got a uh, a YouTube uh, playlist that I've been putting them all on as well as on plays.tv. Very good. Yeah, I, my, I was playing Star Trek Online and... I was loving it for a bit there. And then I had ran out of uh, time. Like I didn't really have time to play it. And then all of a sudden with an update, one of their expansions, it just like kind of uh, out tech me. 
and my laptop couldn't keep up anymore. So I've actually been living vicariously through your videos by seeing what the new content is and my uh, getting pressure from my son to uh, upgrade my computer because he wants to play Star Trek online. Well, the uh, the console uh, versions are about to come out now, too. Yeah, we know we've got the PS4 and we're all ready. We're ready to go to see what that looks like. Uh, but of course, just the pressure from my young son that wants to play Star Trek online should be motivation enough for me to get a computer so he'll get into Star Trek online. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of Enterprise tied in with the last couple of expansions, too. The last storyline was basically the beginnings of the Temporal Cold War in the 25th century following the the Iconian War where the Iconians came back and were trying to wipe everybody out. Ends with you traveling back in time and accidentally being the reason why the Iconians are trying to wipe everyone out. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. So that, that's great. And I actually have yeah. the uh, Enterprise. You can buy an Enterprise package on that. So you yeah. get the uniforms, mm-hmm. you get the mirror uniforms, you get mm-hmm. the NX-01. And I haven't got to try it out yet. It was a free during an anniversary uh, week. Mm-hmm. And I logged in just long enough, like three minutes long enough to uh, grab my free Enterprise uh, set. Yeah, I got that too. And man, I can't yeah. wait. And yeah, and so then the storyline that started right after that is a temporal agent from the future ends up bringing you into the future as like the temporal accords are being signed because you were present at the event with the Nakul, that's uh, the uh, Vosk from uh, um, Stormfront. Yes, yes. That's his species, uh, the Nakul. Um, you were actually there when the Tholians uh, came into possession of the Taksu Tat nice. and used it on the Nakul's uh, star system and basically wiped out most of their species. So you're being brought, brought in as a witness? And pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, you're, you're brought in to witness the signing of the Temporal Accords and uh, the Nakul attack, of course. You know, and you have to fight them off at the signing and... The, uh, the temporal agents there are like, um, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> That's great. It's like the history says this wasn't, this didn't happen. What's going on? That's great. And, you know, lots of time travel conflict in this new storyline. And then agents of yesterday then ties into this as well, because on your bridge crew on this ship in the 23rd century, you have a Lieutenant Daniels. Uh Oh, not Daniels. <laughs> and in, and then a couple of missions into this storyline, you find yourself fighting some not cool. Great. So got to bring and Daniels in. Yeah. One of them is like they were trying to steal some tribbles to use uh, as a biological weapon. <laughs> That's great. That's actually that that thing makes me think of a Kelvin timeline uh, comic where they, mm-hmm. they actually were a biological uh, mm-hmm problem on a planet uh, yeah. that's funny oh that's great yeah and it you know there's just a ton of enterprise stuff working into the last couple of stories and it's been great they got uh, um matt winston to come back and he did the voice of daniels for the expansion pack so every time his character pops up he's actually reading the dialogue oh man that's awesome i've, I've got I, I can't wait for it to come out on consoles or like my son was just talking to me yesterday about hey are we gonna get that desktop that really awesome desktop so yeah <laughs> that's the whole reason we want to get it is for star trek online but um yeah so jeff this is actually the end of your debriefing um i just wanted to say thank you so much 
for coming on here for the last six months or eight months, actually, that we've been doing this. It's been great, man. And uh, don't don't get too uh, far away from a, a pickup point because we might swing by and pick you up sometime. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm definitely interested to come on uh, again. Uh, it's just as long as everything can fit into my schedule, I'd, uh, I'd be happy to come back. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. It was just, it was something just getting this, this, this episode going, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun going through Jeff's enterprise favorites and finding out how hard it is to, uh, lock down star dates, but this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM. So here's what else you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, the ready room. You know, Pushing Daisies and Hannibal are two very different shows, but they both have a very strong visual look and a very strong storytelling style and and a point of view. And one is quirky and one is darkly quirky and one is whimsically quirky. Literary Treks. She just does such amazing things with these characters. And it just consistently blows me away how invested I am in Chakotay's life decisions. I never ever thought that I would care two wits about what Chakotay does with his life, but I'm really invested here. You know, I really care about the decisions he's making and what's going to become of him in the future. The 602 Club. But now by the third one, you've got this really difficult task of, like every sequel has, you've got to be the same but different. <laughs> and you've got to build on the success of that character that has been so cemented now by two movies. So the little things that started to show up in the first two movies, the quips, the cool clothes, all of this stuff is exponentially blown up onto a much, much bigger scale in this movie. Saturday Morning Trek. And all these things just brought in more and more people who thought they were alone and they found each other and they made their clubs and they then they made conventions and that just that's what the seventies were about was getting Star Trek back and finding each other. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm, and you can grab the RSS link there as well. And if you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes, and if you like what you hear on Warp 5 or any of the Trek FM network shows, please leave us a star rating and a review, and that'll help us greatly increase our visibility for new listeners. We actually have some new uh, star reviews from iTunes. So, Jeff, would you read the first one for us? Uh, yeah, our first review comes from Red Shirt Smitty. Uh, he left a five-star review. It says, great show, exclamation point. Uh, he says, I love this podcast. I listen all the time. I found this about a year ago, and I can't get enough. Tell your friends. Jim Smith, 161. So thank you so much, Red Shirt Smitty. That sounds great. We also have another five-star review from Disposing JC, or it's Disposing Jace. Either way, I've got you covered there. So thank you so much for leaving us a review. The title of it is Great Podcast, and it reads, I just recently found this podcast and have started listening while I'm at work. It's nice to be able to listening to similar thoughts and views about what I consider one of the best Star Trek shows created. 
I really like how it was set before the Federation was created and shows that the crew has to deal with by being the new kids in the neighborhood. Not all the species they come in contact with are so willing to invite them over for cookies and cake. LOL. Great podcast. Keep it up. So thank you so much. Disposing JC, whichever way you want to take that handle. Thank you so much for that review. Uh, we have another from, it's either Sonic J Row 5 or Sonic Junior 05. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell at this point, but uh, hopefully I didn't uh, mess that up too much. Uh, he gave us a five-star review. It says, great enterprise podcast. He reads, an always fun and insightful podcast. I love that the focus is on a very underappreciated but excellent show, Star Trek Enterprise. I love it when people say that uh, we're like the best enterprise podcast because we might be the only one. But hey, number one's number one. It doesn't matter how you might how you me- measure, you know. So we've got another review from JS Cardina. It's a five star review. It says finally a great enterprise podcast. If you're a fan of Enterprise and tired of the several podcasts out there that just review each episode, then this is the podcast you've been looking for. They have a love for the show, keep it clean so you can listen with the little ones around, and change things up enough to keep your interest. So yeah, thank you so much, J.S. Cardina. I'm glad you actually mentioned that because that's that's a focus that we have here at Trek FM is we want to keep it clean, uh, keep it to where uh, we can you know at least you know PG or or younger that we can go um, try to have as many little Star Trek fans and big Star Trek fans as we can listening in. And I actually was just thinking about that just this morning. I really hope that Discovery doesn't go down a path that I can't watch it with my boys. So what do you, what do you think about that, Jeff? I don't think it'll be quite that extreme, but uh, um, since it's not going to be on broadcast for all, except for the first episode, there is always the possibility that they could push the envelope a little bit more than Star Trek has in the past. But uh, I don't know if they'll go to taking it quite that far. Yep. So, yeah. But you can bet that the Trek FM show that we have for it that covers the show will be clean enough that your little ones can listen to it. I guarantee. Well, I say I guarantee. That's what Christopher is going to (laughs) want. And that's that's what I would appreciate if I was a listener also. Uh, Looks like we have a review in the Canadian store, Jeff. Uh, Yes, we have one from Cast1973. Uh, He gives us a five-star review titled Enterprise Gets Its Due. He says, a fantastic podcast for the most underappreciated Star Trek series. Trek FM sets the gold standard for Star Trek podcasting. Uh, Thank you for that. Yeah, I like the sound of that. That's that's awesome. And we actually have several more reviews. Probably, I think there was five or six more that I saw in there. And we'll just, we'll get those read on the next show. Or maybe we'll spread those out over the next show. But man, keep those coming. Those are great. And, you know, one of the reasons that we've got them kind of piling up here is that our Blu-ray review contest is coming to a close. Ever since January, actually in December, I mentioned it on a, when I was a guest on Warp 5, um, that I was going to give away a Full Journey Blu-ray set. And it just so happens that that thing is on its way to my house right now. So uh, I got a, got a confirmation just the other day, a couple of days ago, saying that it was, it was in transit. So I can't wait to send that out to a Warp 5 listener. And we'll be doing that drawing in... September. We were either going to do it in September 
or we were going to wait until December, the end of the year, and maybe do it in January. But since we already have over that 20 threshold, and like right now we're sitting at maybe 30 new reviews, we're going to go ahead and give that away in, De- in September. So if you haven't went on to iTunes and gave us a star review, we like five-star reviews, but four-star is good too. Anything that you can do to help us out there, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, whatever you whatever you feel like we deserve, uh, we're more than happy for uh, for the review. Yep, we'll take that feedback and we will definitely uh, run with it. Uh, and then we'll read your review on the air. Uh, another way you can help us is keep all of our shows coming to you each week is become a patron of the network on Patreon. So if you're really liking what you hear or you're really feeling it for Trek FM, you can actually go to patreon.com slash Trek FM. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. And... Find out what levels we have available for you. We can start you as low as $1 a month, which helps. Any little bit helps. But if you go up to $5 a month, you access the patron zone. And if you get up to $15 a month, you actually get access to the patrons roundtable. And that's actually where Jeff and I met for the first time was on patrons roundtable number two. And that was actually my very first podcast ever. So if you're kind of thinking maybe that podcasting might be something you might want to try, that's a way to access it right there at the $15 level. If you push your patronage up to $25, you can actually be an associate producer of a show. So if you want to be an associate producer on Warp 5 and join Mike Morrison and I to uh, on, in the show credits, uh, you can do that. Or you can pick out any show on Trek FM and it just goes up and up from there. So visit patreon.com slash Trek FM to find out what you can do to join the team. Also, if you want to wear your Trek FM fandom, you can find great Trek FM themed merchandise at trekfm.store. That's a new link that uh, Christopher Jones has built for the Trek FM website. So it's trekfm.store. That's where you can get your pillows and t-shirts and just about anything else that you can think of. And Aaron Harvey, our designer, he's putting new stuff in there. It seems like all the time. I see new stuff all the time. So we really appreciate any support that you can give us there and you can show your love for Trek FM. At this time, I always like to thank my co-associate producer, Mike Morrison, Uh, He supports Warp 5 as associate producer through Patreon.com. You can find Mike on the Babel Conference, Trek FM's dedicated Facebook listeners page. You can also hear Mike over on his new show, Metatrex, where he and Zachary Fruling discuss all things philosophical through a Star Trek lens. I also like to thank Christopher Jones, our Warp 5 editor and producer. He's the man that keeps the Warp 5 engine running in the dilithium chamber nice and balanced for us. And that's how you're able to hear our show. So thank you so much, Christopher. If you like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact. You can send me an email like Johnny Ross did, and you can also send us a voicemail through speakbike.com slash trek.fm. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and as we've mentioned earlier, the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or you can go to our website at Trek FM and click discussion on the menu bar. So again, Jeff, thank you so much for co-hosting on Warp 5 for these last eight months. And I wish you big, big love, big, big 
good luck on becoming a teacher and an educator. So thank you so much. I can't say it enough for your time that you've given here and uh, all of your help. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm willing to come back on uh, just as long as I can uh, fit it in. And um, I'd be happy to, to make a, a return trip. Nice. Um, yeah, we can swing the NXO one around. No pun intended. We'll, we'll yeah, <laughs> we'll send a uh, we can send a shuttle pod just about anywhere. You know, around. You know, there might even be some uh, some some Kentucky bourbon maybe under the seat. You know, we never know. But yeah, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you to try to help you figure out how to get those star dates all unscrambled, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Well, if you don't have access to an Atavicron or even a, uh, a subspace phase discriminator with uh, temporal uh, circuits on it, you can always find me on the Babel Conference on Facebook. As we go forward, I'm still going to be checking in there. Um, I may not be posting as often as I have in the past, but uh, I'm still going to be available there. Um, I've been the co-host here on the network for both Standard Orbit and for Warp 5. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I just don't have the time to dedicate to those anymore, but uh, I'll still be around. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Harlander, and I am a supporter of the network through Patreon. As we've discussed earlier, you can check out my website. It's been called The Grand Unified Theory of Star Trek, and that's at trekopedia.com. And there's also my independent comic books at bandwidthcomics.com, or you can search on Facebook for Bandwidth Comics. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, Chef laid us out a huge buffet, a kind of a going away present of a show here that we had with a little bit of everything that we threw in. Uh, but the party's kind of wrapping down, and I'm sure you're ready to get uh, get going on your uh, your your shuttle pod ride here. So why don't you go ahead and take us out? Well, thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time for another episode of Warp Five. <laughs> <laughs>